0: This is Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hit. Browns are going to win! field, touchdown! With Dan Kadar and Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. With Steve Dorschuk from the Canton Repository. It's
1: intercepted! Picked by Dixon Ward! Chubb will take this off.
0: Browns fans, now, cover two, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns.
2: Hi, everybody. We're coming to you. Well, some of us are coming to you from Cincinnati. Some of us are coming to you from the Canton area. Uh, some of us are coming to you from their 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 home office in the Cleveland area. So, hi. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is George Thomas. I'm with Marla or Steve Dorschach, and Nate Ulrich. After a Browns, and I'll be honest with you, I'm frankly surprised. 41-16 to blowout of the Cincinnati Bengals. I thought there was no way in heck, after all the noise this week, that the Browns would pull this one out. Feel free to talk amongst yourselves. (laughs) I feel like an idiot right now. (laughs) How were they able to block out the noise? And what do they say about blocking out the noise? And how huge is this game, given this past week?
1: It's not really surprising, is it, guys? I mean, uh, it's more um, it was more of a mystery how they were going to handle it. We know that uh, Baker Mayfield uh, is, is pretty good at uh, pivoting into new situations and uh, being resilient and handling adversity. So it was just a matter of whether he was going to be able to, uh, to do that in this case. I wasn't really surprised. I was expecting uh, anything that really turned on luck Uh, or or a great play. It was a combination of both. I was uh, lucky for the Browns that uh, Joe Burrow decided to throw uh, an awful pass uh, at the worst possible time and and a great play by by Ward to uh, just uh, change the game almost before it started.
3: Well, I wrote my column about how – I mean, there were different people giving different people credit for, you know, John Johnson the third sets Stefanski, you know, sets the tone that had to helped them, you know, avoid the the noise, um, you know. But Miles, I, I thought it was. I wrote the my column about Miles seated the pregame talk to Baker Mayfield. Um, they always have a little huddle in the end zone before they go inside for the last time at the end of the warmups and. Miles said he thought that because this OBJ controversy was so centered around Mayfield, he thought it was important for Baker to tell the team just, you know, that he was past it. You know, it's time to focus on the future. I mean, I thought that was a good thing that they needed to hear just because it's – I mean, that set a tone before Ward set the tone. You know what I mean? I just felt like there had to be questions about Baker um, just – Obviously they weren't, the locker room wasn't as divided like I worried that it might be, but I would think if you, you know, you heard that Baker was in the right place, you know, confident, you know, securing himself, not rattled by, you know, OBJ's dad's video and all that kind of thing. I think that helped galvanize them at the right time just to get ready to go out and, you know, put on a, I thought it was a statement performance.
2: Now, let me ask you a quick question, though. Was it good for them to hear that from just in general, or did it mean more coming from Miles Garrett, leader of the defense?
3: I think it was a very symbolic thing of Miles turning it over to Baker, you know, kind of like I said, I just feel like Miles is, you know, at times their most eloquent (laughs) spokesman, you know, so Baker's, you know, more of the emotional one. So I, I I don't know. I thought it was somewhat symbolic. I thought it was good for the players to hear that. Uh, I mean, and there was another moment I mentioned in the column about after the final touchdown um, to Njoku, Baker was going back to the sidelines and, Anthony Walker and Ronnie Harrison came out on the field for and help to greet Baker and congratulate him I mean it seemed like it was just kind of a moment of unity kind of a symbol of you know we're not going to let this fracture us I I mean I that was all that's why I didn't pick him to win this game I was worried that it would and it obviously didn't
2: don't feel bad I didn't pick him to win either
3: (laughs) what are your thoughts
2: Nate
0: well I think it is a really interesting moment that Marla's touching on. It was Miles and Baker, the two number one overall picks, playing off each other in their leadership roles. And then we saw it manifest itself on the field with complementary football that has eluded the Browns for the vast majority of this season. We've seen some good defensive performances at times, some good offensive performances at times, but this was by far the closest to a complete game with the three takeaways and the two turnovers on downs and scoring off those opportunities. I think that this was exactly the right time for both the offense and defense to to really work in harmony for the first time. And the key sequence that says it all to me is just the way the game began and you guys have mentioned the pick six, but after the pick six, the Bengals obviously get the game or get get the ball right back and then orchestrate a nice long touchdown drive. The complimentary football comes in right away when the Browns' offense finally gets on the field with four minutes and change left in the first quarter, and they answer right away with their own nice long touchdown drive. So, I just thought that. It is interesting how before the game, Miles and Baker played off each other, and then their respective units did so throughout the game, and that was really why this was a dominant win.
2: Five sacks, three takeaways. I think they got points off all the takeaways. By the way, real quick question. Does anybody here, because I don't, remember broadney Poole?
1: Second round Phil Savage, <laughs> didn't he go to the didn't
3: he go to the Jets and play well? <laughs> I don't know.
1: I he was injury prone. He didn't have a long. He didn't have a super long career. He played, played about seven years. I remember Brodney pretty well. He was a nice. I guy. I,
2: I liked <laughs> yep. I Yes, because I, I figured Ward's interception was the longest in Brown, Brown's history. I look it up, and there's Rodney Poole, with one one for a hundred yards. The takeaways is something that defense needed. Would you not agree?
3: Well, they've been talking about it for weeks. I mean, it finally seems like hopefully this is opening the floodgates.
1: Yeah, they only had a finishing point on uh, on uh, Garrett if I if I can because uh, you you guys are down there uh, uh, working uh, on on the field and in the box. I happen to catch up. Bernie Kosar um, on the uh, flagship before the game. I thought Bernie Bernie rambles, and he did today, but uh, he made a really good point, I thought, uh, at uh, one point. And that was Bernie uh, was talking about Baker, and Bernie likes uh, Baker, and that's good. It's good to have uh, Bernie Kosar on your side if you're a Baker Mayfield. But Bernie was saying uh, there are different ways to lead, and there comes a time when you have to lead with your mouth. And uh, the whole, that, that kind of stuck in my mind uh, the whole day, right up to the point where um, Miles was talking about ceding uh, control of the, uh, the, the, uh, the pregame uh, speech huddle uh, to, to Mayfield. And uh, that was Mayfield. I think Miles uh, did a good thing there. I didn't like what Miles uh, said in his postgame conference. He was was saying, well, I would have had two sacks if there wouldn't have been a holding penalty. We don't want to hear about the selfish stuff. We had uh, two or three years of that with OBJ. But uh, 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 brushing that aside, not holding it against uh, Miles, Miles did well to cede uh, control of that uh, pregame talk to Mayfield because, uh, let's face it, the quarterback is the uh, the leader of the team. Who said that? Denzel Ward, who made the pick six today, has said that uh, numerous times. Denzel says point blank blank when he's talking about Mayfield. He's the leader of our football team, and he is, and he needs to be the guy who talks. And in keeping with what Bernie said before the game, sometimes you have to lead with your mouth, and Mayfield was there partly with uh, Miles' invitation leading with his mouth.
2: I'm going to disagree about Miles in the sack. Sorry. I saw him get bear-hugged by two Bengals today, and it was pretty egregious. was pretty egregious. So if he if he complains about that, I don't care if it looks selfish. Elite needs to deal with it. Something needs to be said, and I would say that about any defensive end who's held as much as he is. Period.
0: Steve, come on, fire back. <laughs> <laughs> Takeaways, mates. I'm, I'm busy instigating. Um, <laughs> hey, I, the takeaways that they only had five entering the game. They didn't have any defensive touchdowns. So, obviously, with the three takeaways and the, the pick six, it was huge. I thought that Denzel Ward obviously played out of his mind, coming off a hamstring injury that he missed the Steelers game. I didn't see that coming. And then Troy Hill, the Nickelback, had a couple sacks. Played a really good game for them, and this was really the John Johnson the third that they thought they were getting when they signed him and made their biggest free agent investment of twenty twenty one in him back in March. Uh, forced fumble and then uh, an interception off a ward deflection on a pass to Jamar Chase. So yeah, the defense deserves a lot of credit. You know, we've been asking them where are these takeaways. I mean, they had they were good at taking the ball away last season. And it just, it just hasn't been clicking. And, and, and this was the perfect time for those floodgates to open as Marlow said. And so I think those three guys really played uh, great games. And, you know, I think that the D line, you know, speaking of miles, I think that there were some good performances there too. But this is really encouraging guys because, you know, If the Browns can take it away and uh, it's just such a game changer, this defense is talented enough to do it. And we finally saw him actually follow through today. Is is this a case
2: of a healthy Denzel? Do you think he's close to 100% yet? Because the difference in its play from today to the prior seven, eight games was vast.
1: He yeah. looked 100% today. I mean, look, look, go back to where he was on the goal line, on, on, on the pick six. That was just a thing of absolute beauty where he was hanging around close enough and uh, and seemed he seemed to know what the play was going to be because he made his cut to the ball at just the right split second. And then as to whether he's 100% or not, brother, he looked pretty fast on the on the, his run down the field. And then what uh, – didn't he have to leave uh, – he had to leave Joe Burrow in the dust on his last cut to to get to the end zone, didn't he? But that looked like uh, – if if that was uh, 90%, uh, I'll take 90% of Denzel Ward over, uh, over 90% of the quarter, quarterbacks in the league.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I think he's been under fire this season. You know, it really has not been a season – uh in which he's been living up to the expectations. I mean this is this is a big season for him in the way it is for Baker Mayfield. They both had fifth year options exercised. They're both playing for that uh, big contract extension and he's dealt with some injuries. Um so I thought there's was a really big learning I point and a much needed one for, for Denzel Ward and hopefully he can bring some of it together because you see the difference he can make I mean it's, he is a game changer when he's playing at a high level.
2: So you have to give credit to all the cornerbacks
0: too. AJ Green made a couple plays.
2: Uh Greg Newsom was playing out of his mind today, without a doubt. And the, the, the defensive back play was stellar. I think Troy Hill had two sets, or is it three? I
1: credit for. Two? I saw they two, two five somewhere. They took one away. Three quarterback hits. So yeah, he he had a nice game. How's that?
3: That AJ Green thing, George. That's one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. Denzel runs off the field, loses his shoe, runs off with his shoe in his hand, and motions for Green. You gotta take over for me. And on the next play, you know, he gets a what was it? A pick? I mean, yeah, fumble recovery. I mean, it was just like that. All happened in a matter of seconds, and the guy gets immediately into the game and is in on a takeaway i mean it was just incredible so that was that was that, you you had to get the feeling this was their day when that kind of stuff was happening there's not many
0: times where marla and i are sitting next to each other turn and just look at each other in disbelief but we did that <laughs> um something else that
2: people have play, picked on in recent week the lack lack of big plays and this was a big play game period you, the Browns didn't have a lot of. I don't know if "offensive flow" is the the right term, but their their scoring came on big plays, and that was something that's been missing so far.
1: One that stands out, George, on the big play tack uh, was a um, was a fodder for Tony Romo, and I thought this was a really. Interesting observation, whether you like uh, Tony Romo or not. I think most Browns fans don't. They think uh, he's a Browns antagonist, where Marla, I think this is your buddy, isn't it, Nance? Nance is a a (laughs) guy with a lot of Cleveland connections, and he has a real affinity for the area, and that shows up in the way he talks about the Browns. He knows things about the Browns. Uh, I I think the Browns tell him, and his uh, his in-laws tell him as well. But uh, but the the big play I'm talking about is the long pass to DP. DPJ, and where Romo came into play on this was to say that that play probably doesn't happen. Well, it doesn't happen if, uh, if OBJ is still on the team. You know, there, there's different play calling. Uh, OBJ's out there on a route somewhere, but uh, it was Romo's way of saying the Browns are better off without OBJ. And and, and, and he was really complimentary, obviously. How could you not be about uh, what a great play that was uh, to DP.
0: And that was a great moment of complimentary football again, where the Browns get a turnover on downs. Defense holds up, makes a stop, and then they call the shot play there. Uh, play action, and I had my eyes on Mayfield. He got hit pretty good and was on his back with that ball in the air, and People's Jones made you know a great play, burn in the corner and hauling it in, Um, just like Denzel Ward, Peoples Jones had a huge game coming off injury. He sat out the past two games with a groin injury. So they had guys fighting to get their way back and really playing well. And I think it's just encouraging for the Browns, the way they responded to all the drama, the way they, you know, stuck together when it would have been really easy for them to fall apart. And the way they had guys battling back, fighting to come back from injuries and having big performances. I mean, that's a selfless, selfless thing to do when the headlines last week were dominated by selfishness. So I think that this was a galvanizing event for the Browns. Of course, they've got to keep it going. But with their response, I think it says a lot about Kevin Stefanski and his ability to kind of keep things glued together and, of course, the guys in the locker room. I was just going to ask if it was a a galvanizing event, so thanks. Appreciate that. (laughs) What did Stefanski say after the game? He made up galvanization or something? Yeah, Yeah, something like that.
1: See, guys, you can ungalvanize in a hurry, though. And I, I liked one of the points Stefanski made after the game uh, in uh, that particular. And uh, I think Kevin said going into the game that the Browns were desperate for a victory. And he was asked about the New England game. The Patriots are going all right right now. I think they're on a four and one run, and they're five and four, the same as the Browns. So what looked like a, an an easy game relative to New England before the season now looks like a game in which the Browns will probably be in. And an underdog, but uh, Kevin said that uh, going to New England, the Browns are just as desperate to win, and it is a little bit of desperation because if you fall to five and five, you already have as many losses as you had in the entire 2020 regular season.
2: I think that word desperation is going to be flung around for the rest of the season.
3: That's true. Yeah, but I. I but I do think. I mean, I'm with you guys that this doesn't, you know, this doesn't show that, they, you know, it's all roses from here on out. But I really do think this defense needed this kind of a confidence booster for the whole unit. I mean, they've been so frustrated by the lack of takeaways and just, you know, they're not supporting their offense And you know, except for, you know, a couple, couple games. I I just feel like this is going to help them, you know, I think I just feel like they needed an example of complementary football to, to draw from, or something. I just, I don't know. I, I think this is going to help carry them forward. I mean, there are no guarantees, obviously, um, especially when you're going up against the genius.
0: And OBJ, sure. awards, so OBJ might be on the schedule to come, so we'll see about that. I don't, I don't think it would be New England. Um, if Tom Brady were there, I'm sure he would be driving himself there right now. I think he ends up in Vegas, but, you know, we'll we'll see. That would make a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. They have a need, and I can think of one player I've covered who who would fit Vegas just in terms of personality. With <laughs> Day.
1: Before we I, I did want to throw out the, the name Joe Woods. I said game ball for Joe Woods. I think they might have given him one. Uh, or uh, unofficially or officially, I think somebody handed him a ball after the, after the game. But uh, to me, that's going to be a real fascinating matchup uh, in New England. Uh, a veteran uh, offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels against a, a guy who's uh, starting to emerge, certainly emerged today as a defensive coordinator, Joe Woods. So to me, that's one of the uh, fun matchups to, to watch uh, going into the, the next game.
2: All right, guys. The next game is New England and I don't I don't know what to make of how anybody feels about Bill Belichick anymore. So we won't worry about it. <laughs> um, until next week, I'm George Thomas with Steve Dorshuk, Nate Ulrich, and Marla Reidenauer. They're on in New England, I think. Me, I'm going to bed. <laughs> you guys have a good night.
3: Good night.